Hi guys, and welcome to the Fight Side Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash, as always. I'll say as always, but I haven't been around for a while. I've had a few weeks break, mostly unplanned, just haven't been that well. Um, so, so it's been a few quiet weeks and a few weeks. I did want to do something, but um, wasn't up to it. But I do want to do a short one today. It's not going to be long. Um, I'm literally just going to be talking about um, the Alicia Baumgartner versus Christian Lunadar two fight and Andy Cruz's pro debut, um, where he boxed ten rounds against one Carlos Burgos. Um, I'll, you know, I will take, um, even though clearly, if you follow my Twitter and all of that stuff, you know, for me, the the uh, the event was uh, Andy Cruz was the one I was really interested in. But um, but Bam Gardner versus uh, Leonard Artu was the main event, and it was a good fight. It was a fun fight. So um, so I'll take some time to break that down. Um, uh, I enjoy how Bam Gardner is clearly improving, and there's a few things to mention there. And then I'll move on to um, yeah, Andy Cruz's uh, debut and how he how I feel he looks. It's not going to be long. I'd be surprised if we get 20 minutes out of this podcast. Um, maybe, maybe it goes just over, but, um, there's, yeah, uh, I, I did want to talk about Frank Martin, but, um, and his performance, but, um, I just haven't been able to see the fight. Yeah, he fought, um, Artem Haradunan, and, uh, apparently that was a close fight. I saw some people claiming it could have gone the other way. I'm not really sure. Like I say, I haven't been able to see it, so I won't be able to talk about it. Kind of a shame because it fits into the theme of the weekend in terms of being 135 pounders. In any case, um, yeah. Let's talk about Alicia Baumgartner first and her rematch with uh, Christina Linodato. Um This was for Baumgartner's um, belts. She is undisputed at women's 130 pounds. And um, there was a little bit of a uh, you know, wrinkle in there in that the... Linardato has uh, not fought at 130 pounds for quite some time, I believe. It's uh, yeah, five years. Um, in fact, since the last time she fought Baumgartner, this was a, 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 a repeat or a revenge matchup where um, they fought back in 2018. Um, Baumgartner was at the time, you know, fresh off, for, fresh into boxing. Uh, she was six nil. Um, she was a kid then. She was, a, I mean, a kid, not a kid, but uh, but Baumgartner is a. Uh, what is she now? 28? So she would have been... Yeah, she's 29. So she'd have been 24-ish then. 24. I can't bother to do the maths exactly. But um, but yeah, she lost, a, she lost a fight a few years ago. And so this was a repeat of revenge thing. And um, Lina Dato, to get back to the point I was making initially, has not fought at that weight um, since then, in those five years. And she hasn't really fought much at all. Um, the, that was, uh, what, five fights ago? Uh, let me check. Yeah, this is this is her sixth fight since then. Um, in five years, she's had five fights. Um, three of those fights were in uh, 2019, so um, so she's really had a lot of time off. Um, she she had a baby was one of the things that happened. But even before she had a ba- the baby, um, COVID disrupted her career. It looks like um, yeah, she just hasn't fought a lot. And so there were questions about how she was going to make weight, but there were also questions about Bam Gardner and how she handles, you know, whether it's weight or something, making the weight or something else. Her stamina has proven tricky um so you know it was going to be a question of uh is either one going to fade out quickly and i mean the question was kind of answered um pam gardner um has vastly improved vastly improved how she manages her stamina which i will talk about in a second and uh luna dartu no she was busy she was constantly busy all the way through um she did start to slow down uh, at the end Probably as much as anything else to do with the fact that Bam Gardner was a uh, wearing her body really well as anything else. She didn't, you know, she didn't hit all. She didn't run out of gas and drop and be completely fucked up. So you know, they're both fine at the weight. Is guess what I'm trying to say there. Anyway, <clears throat> the fight itself. What I want to talk about first. I'll outline 
just what Lynn Archer was doing, so I can talk about what Bam Gardner was doing and uh, how she's improved from her previous fights, which I won't be referencing her previous fight with Lynn Arto because I haven't seen that. Um, you know, maybe I should. Again, you know, I should, maybe should have done it before the weekend. I haven't had time since the fight to do that. Um, but I will, you know, talk about Bam Gardner regarding, you know, compared to her previous fights. Anyway. So, Lunatatu was basically just, uh, not just, she was coming in hard, pressing a lot, um, lots of head movement, lots of proactive head movement as she came in, trying to work the body, but really pepper high volume combinations, um, just constantly go, 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 push in, push in. And so Bam Gardner was having to back up, um, you know, use her strength to put back, back Lunatatu up when she could, but, um, but Bam Gardner wasn't the one on the back foot, which she's absolutely fine with, um, and throwing counters basically a lot. Um, but the thing, uh, and occasionally, you know, occasionally when she, when she did catch, uh, Linodato's attention, she, uh, she went on to attack herself a little bit and tried to knock her out, but she didn't overdo it. And that is, I think, a key factor. In previous fights, I've seen Baumgardner, um, I mean, she's won all of her previous fights apart from, a apart from the, the original of this, but in previous fights, we have seen her struggle quite badly where she's pushing, she's talking, putting all her weight into every punch and um, she's got power, she's got accuracy but she's kind of assuming she's going to get her opponent out of there with everything she throws, which in, you know two minute rounds, all of that stuff it's not, it's not um, it's not, you know, not a guarantee and she was gassing out, she was, like, there were very clear moments in, in her previous fights where she'd build up a lead and then she'd, she'd really be, not clinging on, but um getting to the end, you know, that um, her opponent had the clear advantage in energy. And a lot of that was coming from the fact that she was more or less just throwing, you know, every time in a pitch it came to throw, she was throwing with full force. And in this, she was much more smooth and relaxed. Um, and she really pushed, pushed the, um, the power. She really sat down on her punches when when the opponent opportunities came and she was setting that up, she had a really, really nice jab. Um, she was setting up really nicely the, the combinations. Um, and yeah, basically her main thing was, um, she'd throw her jab out, measure, measure the data she was coming in with the jab. She'd aim to the body, um, with some decent pop, but not like fully, rah, you know, um, but she'd look, she'd see what the reaction was. And if the reaction was to hesitate on the body shot, then she'd go for it. And if it wasn't, she'd just get out of there. Um, and that was just, it made such a huge difference. It looked like, you know, I can't know everything. There, there may have been also differences in the, in the diet, in camp, all of that kind of thing. But it's, uh, it was a huge difference in how she was able to carry her energy through the fight. And Nadatu is the one who started to slow down a lot more. Um, and that made a big difference. Um, and yeah, she just did a really good job in, yeah, her timing's really nice. She's got, she's got really sharp combinations, um, as her opponent comes in. She, her timing's really nice. And the way she was able to, you know, let her opponent's body. It was interesting because Anindato was also working the body and, um, caught Bam Gardner with it, uh, with that work a few times as well. But, uh, it was much more strongly going the other way. Um, the there is one thing that I don't like Bam Gardner doing, um, kind of two, but they're kind of I think related. Um, I don't think she starts switches very well. She doesn't start switch very smoothly. She sometimes tries to shift as she's throwing, and it leaves a square. It's not great. Like if she wants to start switch, um, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you know what you're doing. Um, but, um, but there were a couple of moments when she seemed to just, just get herself caught square, just switch for no particular reason, um, wild and Dart was attacking and get herself caught for no good reason. And there was, in particular, there was a really weird thing she was doing throughout the fight, um, where instead of jabbing, if she was in orthodox stance, instead of jabbing, she'd use her right hand almost as the jab. But then sometimes she'd switch into that position you know, where it kind of makes sense, but you're still sort of leaving yourself short. But other times she wouldn't. She'd just kind of pour out with the lead hand, with the back hand as if, as if it was the lead hand and then not do anything with that. And that left her... That was a one moment in the, in terms of what she was doing. That was a one time. I say one time. It was a, one sequence of events. She did it quite a few times um, where she would be misjudging range because for you know it's just a weird thing to do to use your backhand as the post basically you know the when you know when you see sometimes boxers do um they throw a jab out and they leave it hanging and sort of you know almost not post with it you know what i'm saying they, they leave it stick, sticking out for their opponent to have to work around and she just repeatedly do that with her backhand usually with the right hand which is in orthodox which is such a weird thing to do um, I don't know I like doing that but other than that she's a, she's a smooth boxer she's a smooth slick boxer with power um, and like I say she's adding throwaway punches set up punches she's adding manipulation of rhythm to her game she's adding you know change ups all of that kind of thing all that nice stuff instead of just trying to blast her way through her opponent with power and speed um, and that's really good to see and I, I liked it Lina Dato can you know she can hold her head high I don't think you know she's 35 now I believe um, she's never going to be the elite elite level she's never going to be the Katie Taylors and the uh, the the um, Carissa Shields but she's only you know so far she's lost to Bam Gardner she's lost to Katie Taylor and she's lost to Delphine Persoon you know that's a perfectly respectable career um, yeah is she going to have a huge long career after this I mean she's 35 but um, you know, she's 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 got it in her to be an interesting opponent for other fighters, but it does depend, you know, women's boxing being what it is, um, what weights she can make and all of that kind of thing. But in any case, it was an entertaining fight. Um, yeah, basically, uh, the story of the fight ended up being yeah, uh, Linda Dartu was uh, like I say uh, in the early part of the fight, she was competitive. She wasn't really winning many rounds. Like maybe you could give her a couple of the first three. Um, but she wasn't really winning any rounds, but she was constantly in them. And then I think it was the seventh when um, Baumgartner really caught her with a body shot and backed her up and started to push her back. And after that, she was kind of not really... She was still trying, but Baumgartner was much more comfortable. Um, and uh, like in the early... Especially in the first half of the fight, um, Baumgartner would would go long... This is part of the stamina management, I'd imagine. She'd go long periods of really just avoiding... Um, avoiding Inadatu's shots, um, not going on her bike, but letting her come at her throw, but um, doing the defending, but not throwing back much, um, even when the opportunities were there to counter. Um, and in the second half of the fight, she'd just counter just basically every time um, you know, and just really take over the volume. So you could make an argument in some of the early rounds that um, that Inadatu would, would, would win one or two rounds because um, because Bam Gardner just didn't throw a lot in, in a couple of them. I think it was rounds two and three. Um, but after that, in the second half, and especially after round seven, when she visibly hurt her, um, she did, you know, um, Bam Gardner did just kind of take over, and it, there wasn't, there was no argument for anyone other than Bam Gardner winning. But yeah, yeah, like I say, good fight, good fight. Um, I recommend it. But okay, I'm now going to move on to Annie Cruz. 
And yeah, look, he looks really fucking good. Um, he controlled that shit. He fought um, on Carlos Burgos, and he, you know, he never looked in danger of losing. Uh, it was one of those. Um, if he was as good as we think he is, or anything close as good as you think he is, he was supposed he was supposed to win like this. But Burgos is good enough that um, that he could not have. He might have slipped up. Like this wasn't this wouldn't have been like Roberto Ramirez losing on his debut to. Um, Aiden Gonzalez, that was a case of uh, Rebeza Ramirez, really, he just had to have not had his head in the game. Like, um, whereas, um, whereas Andy Cruz losing this, you know, he could have, he just could have done. He could have, um, you know, the pro game is different. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's longer and he jumps straight into 10 rounders. So, you know, no, no, no fussing about. It's smaller gloves. Um, you know, the scoring is theoretically the same, but... Um, but there is a different focus, um, you know, there's more focus on just the volume of punches landed, uh, clean punches landed rather than uh, the more nebulous, um, you know, who's doing the more damage and all of that stuff. Um, I'm not going to go into the scoring details now, I'm too, too, too tired. But, um, but the point is, is um, yeah, there are differences in the way the pro game is to the amateur game and uh, he would not have been the first amateur to slip up no matter how high his ceiling is. Um, but he didn't. He looked really fucking good. Um, yeah, I mean, as you'd expect, his game is, uh, is playing with distance. Um, it's accurate. It's, uh, it's, it's about, um, timing and all of that stuff. But he is, uh, I mean, he's not the only one here. Um, you know, the old stereotypical Cuban fighter, really the stereotypical Cuban fighter is based on a couple of fighters. It's based on relatively modern fighters. Um, based on Rigondo and on uh, Eris Nadi Lara um, you know, it's never been true that all Cubans are like that um, but um, we're starting to see that um, that stereotype go away anyway and um, and Andy Cruz will hopefully be the forefront of pushing that way because basically yeah he's not an, uh, uh, he's not a front foot fighter but he will hold his ground and, um, and throw combinations and um, and he throws a lot of punches. Um, yes, he he. There, there was a criticism, and I'm going to get into this. Um, there was a criticism of him that he could hold his feet more, sit down on his punches more, rather, and um, deliver a bit more power. Um, I don't think it's that simple. I'll go into why in a second. Um, but other than that, it's just a performance of um, you know jabbing, um, smooth movement, um, letting uh, letting Burgos come in for just long enough to unleash his own shots and then get out before Burgos can really do anything. Um, uh, peppering him at range, especially at mid-range, um, and yeah, just combination move, combination move, throw move, throw move. Um, he never, he never let, um, never let Burgos settle, um, and he, yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's just really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the problems Burgos had is that in, on the occasions where he did manage to get in close enough to throw something, Andy Cruz has excellent defence inside, and so he's just catching out of him, or he'd slip it, or. Uh, he'd beat him to the punch. Um, so it was very difficult for Burgos to, you know, even when he got where he wanted to be, um, you know, in a close. Um, Cruz was landing more punches, throwing more punches. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just really neat. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of details, um, which I will someday write about. Um, I'm not great at talking about them on podcasts. Um, uh, yeah, um you know, there will be lots time or lots of time to break down Andy Cruz in super cool detail. Um what I want to talk about right now is that power issue. Um 
I'll talk briefly to Taylor about this, and he kind of, you know, he says, oh, it could, it could come up um, against opponents who are able to really push forward um, and really push in at him, um, that he, you know, it may come up that he seeds ground too easily. And I can see that argument, um, you know, I'm definitely not going to dismiss Taylor's thoughts there. He, he may well be right, and, you know, my thinking was, you know, it's not going to come up often. It may come up sometimes if it comes up against someone who can really press. Uh, yeah, but... Um, my problem with the, the he doesn't sit on his punches as analysis um, is, and this isn't aimed at Taylor because Taylor didn't say this much. We were just chatting afterwards. Um, that's something that's been out online uh, on Twitter and on the, you know, on in comment sections and all of that stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying here that uh, you know anyone who said this is you know a shit analyst or anything like that. So, you know, some some really good. There's been some really good stuff out on Twitter, you know. I saw a couple of good threads uh, um, involving a couple of conversations, things like that. Some really good stuff said. Um, but uh, when it comes to the addendum, he has to sit, he should sit down on his punches more, or even he could sit down on his punches more. It's probably not wrong, but you have to say more than that, I feel. Because, um, because if his whole game, and his whole game is about um, the tiny little movements, you know, he's in he's in the pocket and he's doing tiny little shifts from side to side, he, uh, little steps and things like that. You know, he's not Lomachenko doing the super cool circling, but he's constantly, you know, when he's in the pocket, he will change his stance, he will step slightly to the side, he will constantly make his opponents follow and circle. If he sits down on his punches, he has to recalibrate his whole game for that moment. Not everything he does has to be recalibrated to, to deliver more power. So this, the idea of... Um, just sitting down on his punches more, you have to say when. You have to say when it would be beneficial for him to hold his feet, sit down on his punches, and uh, really deliver more power, rather than, you know, yeah, he, there were, in this occasion, it would have been physically possible for him to hold his feet and deliver more power to Burgos, and maybe he could have got him out of there. The thing is, Burgos is really tough. Um, he's never been stopped. That's said a lot in the broadcast. Um, and uh, and Chris did hurt him. And you know, you could say you can that can go both ways. You can say, oh, he hurt him. He should have delivered more. But um, but yeah, my point is, um, his entire game is based on movement. And I don't mean you know, it's not it's not about circling and being outside. Um, you know, he does that. Yeah, but um, even when he's in close, his entire game is based on on constantly being mobile um so sitting down on his punches um would involve really for him just picking a few moments when he can do that um for me i think the solution would be when he has turned his opponent and got an angle and they're turning to follow then maybe he has time to deliver a few more solid punches um as he um as they turn, and um, he may have time to deliver, yeah, to deliver a really set up punch, and still have time to disappear without really changing anything too much about his game. Um, to speak to Taylor's point when that he made to me, um, Taylor, as in Taylor O'Higgins, um, who is you know he fights for the, he writes for the fight site. If you don't follow him, you should. Um, he does a lot of amateur boxing analysis. Um, he he's super familiar with Cruz. Um, in any case. Um, yeah, to speak to his, he he knows his shit. He really knows his shit. He's he knows his boxing. To speak to his point, um, in terms of uh, seeding ground and uh, using, you know, holding his feet in order to stop his opponent backing him up. Um, 
then there may come a time when he needs to do that. There may come a time when he comes to face someone who really presses him, um, and uh, and he has to figure out a way to really deliver just a few thumping shots, back his opponent up, you know, just make sure that his opponent isn't constantly thinking about coming forward, because that could be useful to him too. Um, but it's not easy, it's not simple. The way his game is delivered is not an easy thing to do. Um, what probably is uh, of benefit to him is that he has uh, apparently, um, apparently, <laughs> that's corner, uh, in his corner, um, he has taken up enough, forgive me, I've forgotten his name, but he's uh, in the gym with Jerome Ennis and Jerome Ennis's dad. And um, Ennis and Cruz are not particularly similar fighters, um, but they are both guys who are, you know, extremely skilled, going forwards, going backwards. And the thing with Ennis is um, he does know how to hold his feet and deliver power and then skedaddle when he feels a need. And with Ennis in particular, what he's really, really good at is... Um, making those transitions smoothly without losing his balance, um, without giving up any compromising any balance. And uh, so if Andy Cruz is going to learn to, you know, occasionally sit down on his shots more and throw with power just to back up his opponent up a little bit um, and then get out with the right timing, with the right uh, into the space, he's probably, you know, if Ennis has learned what he's learned from his dad, he's probably in the right place. He's, you know, he there are not many better places he could be if if Ennis is again if Ennis is as good as we think he is because that's not 100% proven yet um, I did miss Ennis's fight last week um, still haven't been able to watch it I don't know why anyway um, okay let's talk about Andy Cruz's future prospects um, I don't want to you know bang on you know this is, uh, makes me sound, makes me sound like a Grinch who's fucking shredding my fellow analysts um, you know like I say I had a really good conversation with people who, who just it was just a point that kind of jumped out at me um <laughs> Don't get me wrong, from some people it was really fucking lazy. From some people it was just kind of like, you know, um, it's just something that uh, it needs some thought behind it if he's going to deliver, you know, if he's going to do it. And I'm sure he will, but, um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it did also bother me because, like, um, yeah, some of the people I talk to do know their shit. Uh, some of the people saying it do know their shit and probably could tell you what, what that means. Um, but there were also very clearly some people saying it because um, because they've seen analysts talk about holding their feet on the telly and uh, and it makes them you know it's it's an analytical sounding bit of uh, business. Uh, but you know if I've spoken to you about this, you're probably uh, probably not one of the guys I mean there. This was a um, anyway. I'm trying to make it sound you know dig my way out in case anyone is offended, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just my thoughts on the subject. Um, I think it's more complicated that than that. Was what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, um, Andy Cruz's future. He shouldn't muck about. He um, he needs to move up, uh, not 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 go sideways. Um, I would love to see him fight next weekend's winner. Um, next weekend is uh, George Cambosos versus um, Maxi Hughes, and that's a great fight. Um, Cambosos, you will be familiar with. If you're not familiar with Maxi Hughes, he's a British fighter who used to be British level um, and losing at that level. And in the last few years, he's just really got a handle on what his game is and has sort of stepped up. And I think he's got a decent chance against Cambosos. I'm not 100% sure how decent, but it's a nice fight. Um, Maxi Hughes is a... He's kind of become a very technical fighter. Um, he's not very athletic. He's not a very technical fighter. His form is a bit, you know, he's learned all this stuff really late, so it's not super clean. Um, but he's just, you know, he's one of those guys who plays with the rhythm, jabs, da-da-da-da, 
kind of describe him, <laughs> Andy Cruz. He's not like Andy Cruz at all. Um, you know, if they fought, he'd almost definitely lose quite comfortably. But, um, it's, you know, so, so would probably get both sauce. But, uh, the point is, um, yeah, the winner of that fight against Andy Cruz would be fun. I'm not sure if it's promotionally makeable. Um, Andy Cruz versus Frank Martin, who had this difficult fight at the weekend, again, would be fun. Is it makeable? I'm not sure. Um, because he's with the zone, uh, Matchroom. But basically, uh, Eddie Hearn needs to get him the biggest name he can get that will get him into, I think he's in the rankings with the RBF already on the back of this. Um, so the biggest name that can move him up the rankings as quickly as possible. It's basically what needs to happen. Um, he can't muck about. He's 28, I think, or 20, 29 in August, I believe. Um, so, you know, he, he wants to impress, but he also just doesn't have much choice about impressing. He hasn't got that much time. Oh, look, I have made 20 minutes and then about to make 25. Um, so yeah, basically, you know, no specific opponent. Um, just get a move on. Just move as fast as possible. Okay. Um, yeah, that's me done for the week. <laughs> <laughs> still feeling really defensive but having said that you know I disagreed with people you know on, on the internet I said it to them uh, you know I wasn't angry about it or offensive now suddenly I'm worried about offending some people yeah whatever um, yeah uh, no I have I have my views um, people know them now good good to know um, <laughs> yeah okay next week um, like I say um, this weekend is uh, George Kambosos versus um versus Maxi Hughes um, and yeah like I say if you are free I keep saying like I say if you are available um, watch that fight it's um, it's a good one uh, then uh, apparently Jazza Dickens is uh, fighting on Hector Sosa um, I don't know I'm not familiar with I mean I've seen Hector Sosa I'm just not sure where uh, anyway yeah point is it's not a hugely busy week that's because the week after is mega busy I will mention um, Nao Inoue versus Stephen Fulton because that's next Tuesday may well be out before my next podcast um, so um, you know in fact I may well do my next podcast on that fight depends you know how I'm able to see it and all of that stuff all of that stuff, all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, now Inoue versus Stephen Fulton is next Tuesday. It will be, check your time, it's Tokyo evening time. So if you're in Europe, it'll be mid-afternoon. If you're in America, it'll be in the morning. If, if you can possibly be free to watch that fight, be free. It is, for my money, equally as good a fight as Spencer versus Crawford. Equally as important, equally as skilled, equally as everything. Um, it's not as flashy, obviously, but it should be. Um, and yeah, that's happening on... Tuesday, on a Tuesday, on a Japanese Tuesday evening, so it will be during our day morning type time in Europe and America um, but if you can possibly avoid missing it unfortunately I am almost certainly going to have to miss it because I have to work uh, but what can you do? Um, <laughs> watch that fight, watch that fucking fight um, and yeah, then after that will be Spencer vs Crawford but I will be back before then so um, you know, follow me on Crafty Boxing if you don't already which if you're listening to this, you almost certainly do. Um, follow me at Crafty Boxing on Twitter. Um, I am not yet on uh, on the other one. What's it called? Threads. Because, um, well, two reasons, really. One, I'm in Europe and it's not available in Europe. I could probably get around that if I needed to. But um, I don't like using Twitter on my phone. So I'm not going to download something that only works on my phone. You know, fuck yourself. Follow the fight site on Twitter. Uh, at the fight site. Um, you can find my work also on Bloody Elbow. Um, I will have uh, um, previews of Spence versus Crawford and then all, all of that stuff. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I think I'm just doing a post fight for Fulton versus uh, Inoue. So, you know, if, I don't, if you don't hear me from me before, then look out for that uh, next week. Um, 
the fights are patron join us there you can find me and you know all our other analysts in the discord um and you know we have some patron exclusive content on all of that for you there but um yeah you, you are very welcome our, our discord is a cool place to just shoot the shit about uh fight sport basically it's what i'm saying there um and yeah i will see you next week have a good one